Hey guys, it's Josh, and welcome to the Not So Bad Bachelor Pad, where me and my guests help you level up your life for everything sex, relationship, and pleasure based. So come on in. So come on in, have a seat, and let's get into it. Joining me today is Kim Kimball. Hey Kim, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. I really appreciate it. My name is Kim Kimball, and I am a certified life coach. I work with women specifically to help them have thriving relationships with partners, with family, with friends, really any relationship. Um, and I specifically work with the relationship patterns of codependency and people pleasing and what makes my work a little bit unique is that I really take a holistic approach where I do both a mind and body approach. I'm, I'm both um, cognitively based, but very somatic based as well. And also um, really dive into nervous system work. And I, I bring in my background of being a doctor of physical therapy also. So I kind of interweave a lot of things to have a holistic, person-centered approach to my work, which I love. Listen, guys, we have a jack of all trades on today. I mean, like, what what can't Kim do? That's the real question. <laughs> um, no, um, this episode is going to be really personal to me, um, and I think it's going to be really great for all of you simply because I feel like there are so many people who live with this codependency of they question their existence or they don't really know how to operate within themselves without another or the change that they are willing to do for another person. So I'll be interested to kind of pick your brain and like see why things are the way they are. Um, And hopefully we can help break a couple people of these habits, help them find a fresh and more empowering start for their uh, next chapters. Absolutely. Um, Well, you kind of mentioned in your bio, so you work exclusively with women. Do, yes. These women, are are they usually inside of relationships or out of relationships or... I does not matter. I work with either or because I don't work exclusively on just romantic partnerships. Like I said, it can be friendships. It can be family. Um, You know, these relationship patterns really show up anywhere and everywhere. It's not just exclusive to romantic partnerships, although it does obviously tend to get magnified in those. So I work with single women. I work with married women. I work with divorced women. You know, it just it it spans the whole gamut. And that's something that like, that's something I really try to stay away from is people automatically make the connection of relationship and romance, which Mm -hmm. is generally not the case. I was like, we are involved in so many different relationships. Yeah. So um, thank you for bringing light to that and specifying that like, hey, relationship can be a broader thing and they're all equally important. And I would also say it doesn't actually even have to necessarily be just with people. Like we have a relationship with money. We have a relationship with social media. Exactly. Right? Like we have a relationship to so many different things. All of those things are relationships and how we act and who we're being amidst all of those relationships is really... um, what makes up our relationships in our life. So that's what I'm most interested in exploring. Yeah. Well, now you got me thinking, cause I was like, you know what? I'm not really codependent, but when you broke that down, I was like, maybe I am a little codependent, you know, cause I do like money. I like the, something about the green bills. They just, they, <laughs> they make me act a little strange sometimes. <laughs> they have a little trance on you. Some, you know, I, I I'm not going to say I'm like a penny pincher, but, Something about a dollar does sometimes sway me. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) um, But I think in a healthy way, in a healthy way, I think. But no, back to um, interpersonal relationships. What initially brought you to start coaching? Hmm. Uh, You know, I haven't met a coach that doesn't end up coaching because they've had like a really easy life. (laughs) You know, most of us end up 
coaching because we've gone through some really gnarly shit. <laughs> so for me, my I had a family member that it was that was an alcoholic and a drug addict from the time that I was nine. And so my family dynamics created codependency within me because there was so much chaos within our home. Um, that, that that's how it kind of latched on within me of like, if I can just make other people okay, then maybe I'll be okay. Right. Because there was this environment where it was so chaotic and I legitimately as a young person lacked control. And so my way of trying to feel safe and secure within myself, I didn't, I couldn't establish my own sense of safety at that point in time was to try to manage everything and everyone around me, right? So that was the the beginning of codependency for me. Um, you know, a, a lack of boundaries within my family, enmeshment. Then when I got to like more college age and things like that, I, I really swung from that codependency into more hyper-independence, you know, out of just like sheer revulsion of like, people have harmed me and I'm not going to let them do that anymore. Right. Exactly. So the pendulum swung to the other direction. Um, and then I started to carry out, you know, when I was more dating age, I started to carry out some of these really unhealthy relationship dynamics to romantic partnerships and, um, and to friendships were really difficult. And so relationships in, in short were just really, really difficult for me. Um, and it took, you know, ending one relationship that was just super unhealthy that I thought I was going to get married and, and didn't, and that whole thing exploding. Um, at that point, I quit my job. I backpacked around the world by myself. I had my own little eat, pray, love moment. And um, I just got super clear on taking the time by myself, backpacking all around the world, I got super clear on who am I? What am I doing? What are these patterns that I need to change? I need to be looking at this stuff within myself. What do I want for my life? Just really deep soul searching. And when I came back, I, I had a business idea of what I wanted to do, where I felt like I wanted to go with my life. And I discovered that my idea was something called life coaching that I had no idea actually existed, but it was already like a tried and true path that existed. Yeah. And so I went about the hard work of, um, you know, getting my certification and sort of changing gears and starting my own business. But, you know, that's sort of the long path um, that has led me up to having the business that I have now. Well, I just want to say, it's amazing that I always I have such admiration for people who can just, you know, like they go through something and they can just hit the reset button, pack it up and just let go and just travel. I try to do that on a smaller scale, like every month, just like take off somewhere and just like reset. The perspective that you gain, like once you visit so many different cultures or like regions, it really does change how you view not just your life, but like we said, relationships on every level in general. If you don't mind, like what's like one really big thing that you kind of like picked up after you came back? Because I'm guessing you're back in the States now. I am, yeah. yes. I live in Richmond, Virginia now. Okay. Um, I love this question. And I, I think, you know, because I am such a, you know, my thing is, Josh, is that I view the world through relationships. I truly believe that we were created both from and, and for relationship. And, and my thing is, is that, you know, it was really interesting to me to, to view how relationships were different in different cultures. I am absolutely fascinated with different cultures. I'm half Cuban. I'm first, first generation American. Nice. Um, my mom, you know, her first language is Spanish, not, not English. And, um, you know, I have all sorts of like really deep roots and so much respect for different cultures. I'm very rooted to my, um, Cuban heritage. And I lived in Spain for an extended period of time. So I do speak Spanish myself. And I just I have such a, a deep respect and love for different cultures. But it's always interesting to me to see different relationships and relationship patterns, and how the culture influences how people show up in relationships. And for example, like in Asia, you know, where I spent a lot of time, they just absolutely revere 
the older generation, yes. right? And here in America, it's like they just kind of throw people away. Yeah, it was like so we when, push, when we like get, hide them, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Yes, it's, and, it, and it's, so, you know, that's just a small example, but I think the main thing that I want to highlight is um, I've never had difficulty traveling to other places, and I always have a really hard time coming home to America, and it's, it's and obviously I was born here, so you're just kind of like, Hmm, why is that right? And I mean, the reason why for me at least is because I've never met a more individualistic society and culture than America. I've never been in a culture that is more focused, you know, on on the individual person and pulling yourself up by this by the bootstraps and being hyper independent and and you need to do it yourself and you know, all of this stuff, which of course has made America what it is in some way, but the the, the flip side of the coin, the negative aspect, the shy, shadow aspect, if you would, of that, is this isolation that we feel living in this, this country, in this culture. It's just an extreme isolation that I haven't experienced anywhere else in the world. You know, we expect for the nuclear family to to meet all relational needs that we have. And that's a very unrealistic expectation and it's extremely isolating, um, in my opinion. So I think the thing that I'm most fascinated with is, is, is how relationships show up based on cultural influence, I guess you could say. That's something I didn't notice the first time I came back to the States. I was lucky enough when I was like in high school to travel uh, to about six or seven different countries. And you're right. I don't, it really is hard to come back to the U.S. because it seems like we're like one of the only countries that doesn't really have a unified sense of community. So many other places, it's like, they're like on the airplanes, they're like, hey, I feel like we we don't do a great job of like when the airbags deploy, like they say, put yours on, then help somebody else. (laughs) We remember to put ours on, but we never look to the person next to us and like, see if they need yeah. the help on the, on the grand scale. Now, there are people who do that. I'm not going to say all Americans, like we're like super uh, right. self-centered, but as a whole, um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what ignited my first passion to start helping other people is I was able to see like, it doesn't have to be about me or I can still feel gratified or fulfilled through others Mm. we were talking a little bit before we started uh recording about how i feel like relationships uh romantic relationships uh especially are very patriarchal in the sense that i feel like men are the focus and it's how can we cater to the man in the relationship which to me is something backwards and completely outdated that should have changed years ago Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, how patriarchy shows up in our relationships, how how does it not? You know, I I just feel like patriarchy literally is like the air we breathe and everyone is so enveloped in it that it's not even perceptible most times. And I feel like the thing that I want to say about it is that, you know, I feel like people, when they hear that term, they can almost tune out because they think of like an angry feminist. And the thing that I want to say about it is that it's very damaging and harmful for men as well. Yeah. Because it makes men only show this like tiny, small amount of their humanity, right? They're only allowed to present themselves as strong, as um, having no emotions, as you know, always being in control, it diminishes so much of men's humanity as well, not just women's. So I want to make sure and say that. And, you know, there are so many ways in relationships that we cater towards men. I think a lot of times, like, women feel like they they have to try so hard to be quote unquote chosen by men, right? That, that, and it's all this focus on women's appearance and and yet you look at men and it's like they could be wearing whatever and be a complete slob and women are just expected to to accept that you know and men still have whatever choice 
they want of women and we feel like we have to fight for for a man and to get a good man and you know quote unquote no good men exist and I mean it, it, you know and then of course sexually don't even get me started about how everything is catered catered towards men and in, in, in the sexual realm I mean that's just hugely but what I want to say before we even transition off of the concept of patriarchy what you were saying before about considering the needs of the community and and you know obviously considering needs of other people and not being so self-focused and all of this I want to circle back and just say that that is so much of my work because really what I'm trying to get people to do what I find is two extremes either I'm solely focused on you on the other which is codependency or I'm solely focused on myself and we tend to pendulum swing between those two things and I think we need to be able to find the middle and find the balance where I'm considering both the other person and myself and I'm holding both the tension of both of those things in regard right right I'm holding both those things in regard and you know when you're talking about patriarchy circling back to that I mean really what we're saying with dismantling patriarchy is the very same thing it's like I'm not considering the needs of the man above my own I'm considering them equal. I'm considering them both at the same time. Also, my needs as a woman don't get to trump your needs as a man. We need to consider them both. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's so hard for people. Um, So my background is uh, originally as a linguist. And this, this part of language and the dating scene, I always found just super fascinating and it blew my mind. Women say I haven't been able to find a man as if... Like, they're just like, they're like, like you said, they're waiting. Like, they have no real control over what's going to happen in the relationship or who who they get to, to be with. Where on the other hand is men, like, they'll go out and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to go pick somebody up or, you know, just, just the language and, Ooh, and the verbiage. I love that you're bringing this element in there, Josh. That is so fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's like, I, I told, I was like, I was like, nobody should live their life on autopilot. Like, we should all be actively pursuing things instead of waiting for things to happen to our lives. We shouldn't be reactive in our lives. But you see, we as women have been indoctrinated with Disney princesses, Listen. where we think our knight in shining armor is going to come for us and save us, and we don't have to do anything, and we stay in a victim stance. And this is why Mulan <laughs> is one yeah. of the greatest Disney princesses because she, in my opinion, was the first time that I or we were shown that masculinity and feminine and feminine can be contained in one person mm. and that neither one is necessarily weaker than the other one. And what I mean by this is when a male shows any sign of femininity that's taken or misconstrued for weakness for some reason, or vice versa, when a woman shows too much masculinity, it's also seen as a negative. However, I feel like you, you I don't even feel, I know you need both to effectively kind of live your life. Um, yes. I was like, we were all born from a woman and I don't know about you, but, oh, I haven't witnessed it, but I hear childbirth is no easy task. So therefore, <laughs> I, I am proud to say that I have yes. feminine traits because I was like, listen, that means you're like bringing life into the world. You're creating. Yeah. Like, there are so many beautiful things that women do that I just can't see negative association with it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just that's just me. Um, <laughs> maybe the world will wake up uh, tomorrow and they'll agree with me. I just, we. I think there's a real movement of that, of people understanding that every human being has both masculine and feminine with energies within them, right? And it's really, the problem is when we're operating and moving from the wounded masculine and the the problem is when we're operating and moving from the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine instead of from a healed and whole masculine and feminine, you know, so, yeah. Um, and, and and that's a, that's a, that's another thing. Like I said, we we try our best as coaches or just progressive people to enlighten or share perspective with others, but there's only a limited amount we can do at a time. Change is slow, but you're right. There are more people starting to 
wake up and notice that we do have the yin and yang energies within us. At least, I, what I'll say is, at least on the Western culture, uh, I feel like um, a lot of times, like on the East, that's already something that's kind of been idealized. Uh, there might be a little more balance between gender roles, so to speak. I think everywhere still has a lot of progress to go. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Which brings me back to what I was what I was talking about earlier with the language of your site is you help women rediscover their sovereignty. And I grew up with a saying, um, what's a king without his queen? Um, and for me, that meant like that struck a chord of equality. Like what, like one man is very limited to what he could do without a partner. Um, so no matter what that role is, it was vital to his success or sustainability. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to ask you, like, specifically, what made you kind of get into that space of, like, rediscovering, like, the queen within everybody? Mm. Oh, gosh, you know, like, I'm going to be honest with you. It was just getting really tired of relational fuckery, <laughs> you know, oh. like, just, just getting so tired of 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 like games and and communication and like i i'm i'm expecting to be able to read your mind of what your wants and needs are and i'm i'm shifting and 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 shape shifting myself in order to be who i think you need me to be and um you know there's no clear and direct communication it's it's innuendo and you know all of this stuff and um, of course, like I was saying earlier, the people pleasing, the codependency tendencies, all of this, it, it left me, as you said, like just really disempowered. It left me in a place where I didn't feel in control of my own life, that I felt like a victim in my own life, that I felt like I, I had to just somehow magically wait for external circumstances to shift in order for, and, and like maybe one day it would like magically line up for, for the external circumstances to be exactly what I needed them to be in order to be happy or fulfilled or to, to live the life that I wanted to live. And I, I just had this huge realization that like, if I was doing that, it was, I was literally never going to be happy. And I was literally never going to feel in control of my life and that I needed to be the one to do that for myself. And so it was a process for me to learn how to come back into that place of, of you, like you're talking about, like sitting on my throne of, of realizing that I have choice and being able to access that choice, being able to express that choice, being able to stay solidly in my sense of self and being able to communicate that to other people in a clear and a kind and a direct way and no longer allowing everything around me to dictate. I get to do that. Right. Right. So, yeah. I think that's amazing. Everything for me kind of like goes back to like language. It's not you, it's me. It's a saying that I don't even know when it started, but for me, it's been like a tale as old as time. Um, when people usually say that, they're usually using that as a device to back out of a situation. But really, I see it as an opportunity for growth because sometimes it really isn't the other, it isn't your partner, it is you. So I discovered for myself personally with my relationship and women was that based on like some things with like my parents and my family that I didn't necessarily get healthy boundaries between like genders. Uh, so, and I felt, and then that carried on to my relationships because I, because I had such blurred boundaries, I didn't necessarily respect the regality or the, the needs and independence of my partner, which really made them saying true. It's not you, it's me. I don't have solid enough boundaries. I'm invading yours and I'm for lack of a better word, oppressing, um, some of the choice that you should have just as a person in this mm. partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, 
I think we forget a lot of the times in romantic partnerships that I, I consider a, a romantic partnership for you to be able to be um, separate together, right? Yeah. We need to we need to have that separation in order to have any togetherness. And 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 if if we grow up in an environment like yourself and myself. If we grow up in an environment where boundaries aren't modeled, where healthy boundaries aren't modeled, I, you know, I, I myself experienced a lot of enmeshment in my home, then any sense of like other and any sense of separateness can actually be really triggering. And we can, like you're saying, like want to invade the other person's boundaries, um, you know, um, mold and mesh again and, and, and just not allow that separate individuality and that that sense of separateness that is actually crucial for a relationship now um this is this isn't a hypothetical but i'm going to take this opportunity just because um i promised my friend i would do this um she she's she's noticed that that um she herself has like a really large codependency and um and she's like a little older, um, and but she's reliving this cycle, the same pattern of being attracted or attracting certain men that are not really good for or like present for her needs. Are there are there certain patterns that you've you've noticed with your clients um, that kind of lead to this cycle of being attracted to people who aren't necessarily the kindest to them or really focused on, um, I don't want to say putting on a pedestal because we're talking about equality, but like just allowing them to shine at their full luminosity. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying as far as being, I mean, in a nutshell, I would sum it up as like being really uh, attracted to people who are, aren't potentially good for us. Right. Like yeah. having, feeling chemistry towards people who when we really get honest with ourselves and look at it we're like eh, this person isn't actually allowing me to be my best version of myself um and is not really encouraging me he, this person is not being a good partner right and i mean the things that that comes down to that i see a lot um and this was actually the case for me is that a lot of times we are being attracted to um, someone that mimics our parents. So like for me, you know, I had an emotionally unavailable father. My father was a great father. There was nothing wrong with, you know, but he was an, he was of that generation where men didn't show their emotions. They didn't express their emotions, all of that stuff. And so I did very much have, an emotionally unavailable father for better or for worse. And then those patterns played out because it felt like home to me, right? right? If, if something feels like home to you and it's the type of love that you're used to receiving, you're going to gravitate back towards that. So that's the first thing that I would say. Um, and then the second thing that I would say is that it all comes back to the way that you are viewing yourself and the way that you um, think and feel about yourself. You know, if we have a low sense of self-worth and we have a low sense of our value, then if somebody, we're going to be more okay with somebody treating us like shit yeah. and somebody not, not bringing out the best in us and somebody um, not, not valuing us because we don't value ourselves. And I know that that can seem really blunt, but, um, you know, when we come to a place where we love and value and accept and cherish and honor ourselves, we quite simply will not tolerate that. We won't. Yeah. A lot of it comes back to, um, you know, how is what you're seeing in your relationship mirroring what you feel about yourself. There's, uh, there's another pattern that's coming to mind and I know I could keep doing this for a long time, but if you're attracted to somebody who is emotionally unavailable, you know, in what ways is that protecting you? Right. A lot of times we do that because we're emotionally unavailable ourselves and we're scared of a relationship and we don't want anything that actually has potential. 
Right. And so in order to keep things kind of shut down and then keep ourselves at arm's distance, well, I'm going to choose somebody who I know can't meet me in relationship. Right. I actually can't be mutually met. <clears throat> all of these things are protection mechanisms, right? Um, and it's all stuff that obviously, as you know, we get to work on in coaching and, and transform those patterns and allow you to have a sense of um, safety and worth and value within yourself that allows you to no longer repeat those patterns. I said, um, just, this is a silly thing to say, but just in that brief interaction, so many people that I encounter, they're like, well, A, what's life coaching? And B, why why would anybody need a life coach? Can I just get a therapist or anything? And I was like, don't get me wrong. 100%, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I think a lot of people should be in it. I'm in it. But to me... uh, the distinction really between a coach and the therapist is help you achieve the goal, you, you know, achieve the goals. A therapist might do big picture, but I really feel like we help fine tune yeah. the life choices of, of people. And that's by no means to say that I'm putting what I think you should do. I'm dictating what I think you should do. Um, I'm just helping yeah. you, we help our clients gain, gain the clarity to make those minute changes in life that um set them on the right track yeah just as you were talking i was like everything that like you were saying reminds me of my friend's backstory and i was like it's so true the men that she has gravitated to kind of do remind her of home in the sense of there are similarities to her father you know her father um but there, you know, um, and we we sometimes miss that, or we refuse to think that I will never be in that situation that I grew up in. But unconsciously, yeah. we we do tend to repeat those um, yeah those scenarios. Ooh, another one came to mind. Another reason people choose scenarios like that is because they're unconsciously addicted to the like adrenaline hits that you get from chaos and drama. Right. So. Again, we could go on with like reasons behind these patterns for a really long time. Um, but there there are myriad. And the, the point like you're talking about with coaching is to be able to discover yours. Yes. Like, you know, what what is your specific, like, what is this giving you? Because on, it's yes. giving you something. It, it, it's not, this, this pattern isn't happening for no reason. If, right. And if you want, if you want to shift it, and actually be able to move towards what you actually want, you know, that's what coaching helps you do. Discover why you're doing it in the first place and be able to put those steps like you're talking about to actually get and move towards what you actually really want. I could not have uh, articulated that better. Um, um, sometimes we're, we're, we're blind to our own situations. Um, hence the fact why relationships on that broader spectrum are so important. Because when you have friends or you can see how your relationship to other parts of your life that you had are no longer maintained or start to shift. um, Or when people can give you perspective outside of the relationship that you're in, um, that's that's crucial. Also helping with your development. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I can imagine... You've, you've, you've done a couple of these like interviews for podcasts and shows and articles. Yeah, I've done a good bit. Yep. Well, one thing I think I, it's so hard to do and it's, it's going to be a hard question for me to ask you because you're going to be like, I don't know, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, All right. What's something that like you never really get asked that you would love to talk about, you know, because I like to make this different for you. So I know you've been asked a lot of the questions that we've had today. Is there anything that you've like really just wanted to talk about and you've nobody's ever really asked or set it up for you? Hmm, I love that question. Thank you so much for asking it and being thoughtful enough to ask it. Um, you know, I think, I think the thing that I would love to discuss and talk about that that motivates me a lot in my work is like nobody ever really talks about the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and what i mean by the bigger picture is how us learning to live in our sovereignty 
and us learning to live in right relationship with other people, I literally believe, and I'm not just saying this in like hyperbole, I literally believe this in my bones is what will save the earth and like what will change the world. And I believe that with everything in me because when we learn to live in right relationship with other people, and what I mean by right relationship is the thing that I was talking about earlier. I can hold that tension of both regarding myself and other, right? right. I, I can hold the tension of, of, of um, mutual regard. And when we really learn that, listen, we will stop extracting and exploiting the earth. We will stop extracting and exploiting each other. Yeah. We will stop thinking with this drastic polarization that's happening, right? Where we're pitting against each other and we are, I'm right and you're wrong. And there's no like dialogue person to person. There's no understanding or trying to understand each other. It's just this hyper division, you know, there, and instead of understanding unity instead of understanding that we are all one and that what harms you also harms me and i know that this can feel like really big and esoteric and like a really large vision but i like i said i never really get to talk about it but i i believe in that vision with everything in me and it's a large part of why i do the work that i do because i believe that if one person if one of my clients gets to a place of sovereignty and right relationship with themselves and with other people, it changes the world and it changes, it changes every generation following them. And it, it, it changes everyone that they impact. And this is literally how the world has changed. So. I, mean, I mean, that's like almost the exact definition of like domino effect is people so, so often estimate the value of one life, one person, one dream. However, that if that dream touches one or two people and then that dream keeps on spreading or collapsing into people, um, you really do get a fire at some point and you're on a rev you're, then it leads to a revolution. Circling back to what you were saying earlier, um, right relationship to me, I grew up Christian um, and that just like when you were describing that to me, it was like, the per like the original garden of Eden, like, yes, I believe that. Yes. Like nothing was over harvested. Our original like, design. Yeah. I was like, we have this, especially like here in the U S there's this gluttony about, I say it's hard to imagine world peace happening for more than five minutes because of the polarization of people I'm excited. And like, I just, I would love for so many people to work with you or to get so many outlets of help to yes. find their version of that right relationship. So we can connect to our fellow man on a more holistic and grand scale. There are, there, there are so many commonalities between us um, that we either refuse to admit or yeah. we just haven't taken the time and really sat down and looked at because we hold yeah. on to these traditional ideologies um, that we were raised on. Yeah. You specifically, you mentioned earlier, because um, you're an occupational therapist, do a mind and body approach. Can you kind of walk us through what that's like? Yeah, I'm a physical therapist, not an occupational oh, therapist. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, that's okay. Mind and body approach. So what that really looks like, just to give you like a, a tangible example of what it may look like in a session, I feel like that can, uh, tangible examples can be, be good. Right. Like, let's say, let's say, for example, um, like, let's take the example of someone who really desires to have a healthy relationship and a healthy partnership. And they keep on repeating the cycles that we talked about earlier, right? Where it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to emotionally unavailable men, et cetera, et cetera. Like what it would look like to do the mind and body approach for me. And of course there are different tools and it would look different every time, but just to give one example, um, it would be like getting the person to be aware of their thoughts, exploring some of the reasons why 
those habits and patterns were there, but then also really going into, you know, let's say um, they're about to go on a date with that person. Well, what are some of the sensations that you're feeling come up in your body as you're, as you're thinking about this person or as, as you're um, interacting with this person, for example, and really getting them to tune into their emotions and their physical state and their nervous system state and noticing the connection between what's going on in their body and then the thoughts that they're thinking because our physical state and our nervous system state informs the thoughts that we're thinking, yeah. right? So teaching them tools to learn how to communicate and receive the messages that their body is sending them so that they then have more spaciousness for choice and learning how to come into a place of nervous system regulation how to regulate themselves so that then the thoughts kind of naturally change as a byproduct instead of trying to, oh, like so forcefully um, change your thoughts, which, right. you know, according to neuroscience doesn't really work anyway. So it's so crazy. A, that's amazing. Um, but it's so crazy to me how the same um, mechanics can be used for so many different things. Um like the whole um, sensation placement is uh, one of the figs I share with my clients. It's actually a crazy acronym I just learned today, so I decided to use it. So often we, uh, instance, we talk about um, intimate touch, but like non-sexual touch. Uh, because so much lives within our body, um, that we, but we don't always, we're not always in tune to it exactly, or what it yeah. means. Um, yes. So I, I, I agree, taking the time to actually feel things. And I say this to people a lot, everybody hears everything, but they don't always listen or understand it. So taking yes. the time to really like listen to your body and try to understand why certain things resonate where they do is like next tier, like bonus points leveling up. Um, to do with our western culture again we've completely you know idolized the mind and cognitive thinking and the intellect and we have prized that over everything having to do with the body we've really divorced the body from anything that we do and that's kind of the byproduct is that we have you know people walking around that are just heads without bodies and without being tuned into their body whatsoever and all like all of the rich sensory information and all of the all of the cues our body is trying to tell us all the time yeah. so well like i said i just i love how our paths are more connected than we might have originally thought um, based on a couple of the ideas that we've shared today yeah. now the last question i have for you is actually a mini set of questions. Um, right. I like to do icebreakers in reverse. Now that we've spent a little time getting to know your thought process, we're just gonna like take some time to get to know Kim K as a person. All right, cool, I love it. Um, now, I must warn you, these questions, they get a little more thought-provoking as we go. Um, okay. But there's just six questions today, okay? All right, All right. yeah. So the first question, super easy. Are you single or are you in a partnership right now? Um, kind of just what's I your status? Married. You're married? Yes. How, well, I mean, this is a sub question. Like, so how long have you been um, married? Three, almost four years. Congratulations. That's, Thank listen, you. I am a raging dumpster fire and I struggle to <laughs> make it past the two month marker. So for me, like, when you say three years, I was like, wow, that's a lifetime. Um, <laughs> You'll get there. Listen, I, I, have, I have no rush on my journey. I, I'm sure that go. I will find a forever partner, just not right now. Um, that's it. Or maybe who knows? I'll wake up tomorrow and then like they'll be outside my door. I love your knowledge about where you are in your journey. <laughs> um, question two. Um, what's a, What was like a big turn on for you, like with your partner specifically? Like what attracted you to them? Mm, his humor is the number one thing. Like I can be someone uh, that's like quite serious. Mm -hmm. And um, like I mentioned, I've been through quite a lot in my life. And I think it, it, it was very hard for me to access joy 
at different periods of time in my life. And my husband is a very like light and just like one of those people that can honestly make me laugh harder than anyone else in the world. And I just have the best time with him and he really lifts me up. I love hearing that. Um, so many people don't get to experience joy or they don't know the importance that somebody bringing joy to you can have. So like the fact that you found that in your husband is just amazing to me. Yeah. Thank Um, you. You're welcome. Now flipping that coin over, what is something about him or about one of your previous relationships that just was like an instant red flag turn off? Oh, so I'm going to go with a previous relationship because a red flag I don't think my husband has or I wouldn't have married him. Um, The previous relationship, I will say, like, obviously, I can see this now in hindsight, but it was it was the emotional unavailability thing that we talked about in this like real loosey goosey lack of communication lack of defining what we were who i was to him what he really wanted and yet kind of like stringing me on long enough to like get what he wanted out of me but not committing to me and that whole game was just really really toxic and awful yeah now you you are a special case so I've like been doing this for almost two years. I like I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to make you biased. Um, but normally when I ask people about turn-ons, they're usually um, more intrinsic personality-based traits. Mm-hmm. But like almost 100% of the time when I ask about turn-offs, they tend to be like physical things. So I'm really, really I'm, yeah, I like both for like the male, the men and women uh, guests that I've had. So but, interesting. I know. Like, that's, but to me, I don't know. Like, for me, it's my, like, big turnoff is also intrinsic. So I just want to say, like, shout out to you for being, like, the first guest who is turned off by something more than just the physical. <laughs> yeah, okay. I get a little award for that. Then. You do. I'll, I'll have to, like, mail you, like, a medal. Like, I'll, like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, if you could go back in time and share one piece of advice about relationships with your younger self, um, what do you think that would be? It would be to realize that doing the work on yourself is the best way to have healthy relationships. It's not not focusing on other people it's not focusing on outward circumstances it's not having anxiety about when is it going to happen for me is it going to happen for me oh my you know um it it's literally doing the work of healing your own relational wounds and your own relational patterns that are dysfunctional and learning how to have healthy relationships that set you up for, for healthy relationships and satisfaction and your relationships in general. Beautiful. Um, that's like a, a little more complex of what I would tell my younger self is just enjoy the journey. Listen, mm-hmm. you have, you have so much time to like, to get to where you're going to go. Just be present right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the last question that I'm going to ask is, What's one thing that you think that you can improve on as a partner? Mm. Ooh, you you bring the heat now. I like it. Listen, um, it's winter. I'm missing the summertime like <laughs> scorchers, so I got to get it somewhere. I know, I get it. Oh, let me think for a second here. I think so. This is just if you believe in God or the universe or whatever you believe in, I I personally believe in God and the divine. I truly think that this is one of those humorous things that like God pairs you with someone that's going to make you have to confront certain things that you need to work on. 
And God has given me a partner that is really insanely sensitive to tone and delivery. Mm-hmm. And I am a very blunt, like, I'm just super blunt. And I, I, I'm not, before marrying my husband, I was not conscious of my tone and not conscious of how, like, brusque I can come off. And so this has been such a practice for me and I have gotten so much better and I have grown leaps and bounds, but I know that I still have a ways to go, especially if I'm angry or not in the best mood or triggered in some way, like being able to be aware of my delivery and my tone is my growth edge. So one of my mentors are like the people who, when I like still need advice, um she has this idea of the three t's um and that's time tone and turf so since i've started implementing those three things of like being conscious of where i'm having these conversations what's going on before i start this conversation or how am i approaching this conversation i've already like that was like the first key to like a healthier like me um simply because probably (laughs) instantaneously when i feel an emotion in public i probably should not like start a (laughs) full-on like argument or like conversation you know i was like maybe we should wait till we get home or i was like maybe i should actually think on how i feel and then where my where the other person's coming from before i just like assume things and jump down the throat so i I, i'm I'm with you on that one i that's probably something that uh I'm, I still need to work on. It's tough. It's, it, 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 it takes, it takes a lot of ability for emotional maturity and emotional regulation. Um, and, and obviously awareness. So it's a lot, it's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you for coming on today. I felt like I've learned so much. I hope that everybody listening today who may have, also struggle with some of these codependencies or just certain aspects of finding self-worth in their relationship have also taken something away from what Kim has brought to us today. Um, So Kim, just in case anybody listening wants to do more work or connect with you, how can they find you? Yeah, so I hang out most often on Instagram. That that is my jam, and my handle there is Kim Kimball Coaching, and Kimball is spelled K I M B A L L. Um, my website is kimkimballcoaching.com as well. I'm also on Facebook at um, Kim Kimball Coaching. So any and all the places. Um, and if you are super intrigued when you listen to this, I also do um, give complimentary, like pitch-free sessions to allow people to experience the magic of coaching—a sixty-minute session. Because I just, I truly believe in its ability to um, change lives, even with just one session. I think it's so important. Well, like I said, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Kim, for giving us the time of day. Um, guys, just take a minute. We're like, we're reaching the end. Go over, give Kim like some love. Just give her a follow. Give her two follows. Like her page on Facebook too. Um, connect. Um, we all have personal growth that we um, need to make. And this is a great first step to starting that journey. Um, so thanks again, guys. And don't forget to head on over to wherever you're listening. Leave a comment, leave a review, leave a like, five stars, just help more people find us. You know, you want to keep growing the family. That way we can get even more amazing guests. And don't forget to head over to the brand new That's So Bad Network website where you can find even more content from us. I'll see you guys next Thursday.